Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast, episode 96. Episode 96. Um, I have with us. Let's go. Let's get ready. Um, I got some NBA talk for you guys. Milwaukee Bucks, Clippers. I have it all. Um, we're gonna. I think we're gonna talk a little bit NFL as well. We're gonna deep dive into that. So without further ado, let's go. Let's get ready. Um, here we go. Let's go on an audio adventure. Shout out to the Spotify listenership, um, Apple Podcasts listenership, iHeartRadio, all those platforms that, you know, you guys stream and download this podcast in every episode. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Thank you to listeners. Thank you. Um, so I was excited. So, and I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm, I was excited to get in here, but it, this, this topic that we're about to talk about, it just rings off my head about what we've been talking about with this particular team and player. So Giannis in Milwaukee, they go against, they go up against Miami. They go down to Miami, South Beach. Mind you, South Beach, tough place to win. It's a tough place to win. Miami, tradi- tra- Miami traditionally has been a, gr- a great home team. And that, is the, that has been the consistent trend and pattern this year. So Giannis and... You know, the Bucks, they take their talents down South Beach. They take their talents down South Beach. Giannis has a bad night. He scores 13 points. He scores 13 points. Giannis, Giannis didn't have the best night. He didn't have the best night. But this is where I often say, hey, where's Chris Middleton? What, what happened to Chris Middleton? I like Chris Middleton. I think Chris Middleton, he's a good player in this league. He's been an all-star for the last two years. He's been an all-star for the last two years because he's the second-best player on a team that's been really dominant the last two years. So hes a, I don't want to take nothing away from Chris Middleton. But he is who he is. He is who he is. And you can't doubt that. And But it's games like this where it was playoff games just like this where Giannis had bad nights. Giannis had bad nights. And... Can Chris Middleton step up to the plate? Can he be that second guy that get it done? Can he be that second guy? 
Because last year in the playoffs, what I remember firmly was was Giannis struggling and having bad nights. That's what I remember firmly. Giannis struggling and having bad nights. But, but, struggling and having bad nights, right? But what I also do remember is, you know, him coming through, you know, lack, lack of help. Lack of help. They lost by 16. They lost by 16 points to Miami. Chris Middleton shot two for 10. He shot two for 10 from downtown. He shot four for 16. That is a 25% field goal percentage and a 20% three-point percentage. Chris Middleton got to be better. It's guys like Chris Middleton. He has to be better. Giannis, I think with Giannis, yes, he's the star. Giannis, you know, of course he's going to play better, but it's a such thing called bad nights. We all, all, all of the, all of the big time players have them. LeBron has bad nights. Kawhi has bad nights. Kobe had bad nights. Jordan had bad nights. Um, it, he didn't have many, but these guys, these great players, have bad nights. They have bad nights. So, Giannis goes into Miami. He's a, he has a bad night. He has 13 points. I mean, he, he only has like two a year. He has two bad nights a year. Every other, every other night, Giannis is productive and, the best, and probably the best player on the floor. So, you know, this is what this is, you would think, hey, Giannis not having the best night, you know, this would be the perfect, this would be the perfect opportunity for Chris Middleton to step right on up. You know, steal the show, steal the game, take over the game. This be the this be the, the this would be the perfect time, right? Yeah, you know, he just this didn't show up. He didn't connect, he did not he did not show up. And this is what I fear going to the playoffs this year. Because what happens if Giannis what happens if Giannis has nights like this? Can Giannis afford to have two games? in a seven game series, can Giannis have two bad games? And Milwaukee still win those games? I don't know. I don't know if Giannis can afford to do that or have those bad nights. Because if if if, if he can have those bad nights, if Chris Middleton is going to play like this, if he's going to shoot like this when Giannis isn't on, it's a problem. It's a problem. And Milwaukee, it, it's going to be a problem. Now I know I know I know some people like Miami, their roster, and I, I know I, I get it. Miami, they have good depth. They're well coached. They're gonna play defense. They play Giannis tough. They threw Bam out of bio on him, so that seems like a good matchup because Bam has the size and the athleticism to keep up. But do I really trust Miami? I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think. Uh, I don't. I just don't think so. Now I do like their depth. I do like Eric Spoelstra as a coach. But I, do can they really beat Milwaukee in a seven game series? Uh, I don't think so. But could they push Milwaukee to? Six or seven games, possibly, possibly so. Possibly, very well. It's very well possible. But this brings me back to my point about Chris Middleton. Gotta be better. Also, Eric Blitzo, where are you? Eric Blitzo, where where are you? Because Giannis, like I said, I think Giannis handle. We overrate Giannis handle. I don't. Giannis is not a great ball. Giannis is not the guy that can go on the floor anywhere on the floor and create his own shot. That's not Giannis. We over, I think we overrate Giannis' handle. Chris Middleton is more of a 
catch and shoot type of guy. He's he does he's not great athletically, so he can't he can't get to any spot on the floor and, and hit shots. Eric Bledsoe does have such skill, but we have seen we, we, the, another player who was inconsistent in the postseason. We have seen Eric Bledsoe. In, in numerous of occasions and playoff series where he just have not shown up. He just have not shown up. And I, I don't know what it is. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. And it's, it's, similar, it's, it's similar to LeBron's early years. When LeBron had bad games, nobody else would be able to step up because nobody really had the skill. Nobody had the skill in Cleveland. Cleveland didn't have the Cavs didn't have skip those you know those type of players where you know LeBron could have a bad night and somebody would step in and fill in the first time go the first go around. We all know the second go around for some of those years he had Kyrie Irving, but Giannis in this and hey this brings back to my point about how this Giannis thing if if Chris if Chris Middleton if he continues this trend anytime Giannis has a bad game. It's it's not gonna be a good sight for the it's not gonna be a good sight for the Bucks. It is not gonna be a good sight because if Giannis has a bad game or two in a series, Milwaukee's gonna lose those games because Milwaukee's gonna play just like this. They're gonna play just like this, and I don't know if I, this is why I say I, I bring up the I did bring up the point of Giannis possibly leaving. I did bring up that point. I did bring up that point. And if Chris Middleton, guys like Chris Middleton, guys like um, Eric Bledsoe, I like Wesley Matthews. He's more of a catch-and-shoot type of guy. Dante DiVincenzo, some, like, I, think that, I think that's his name. Dante DiVincenzo. I think uh, guys like that, they got to step up. They got to step up because those are the second and third and fourth guys after Giannis. It's Giannis and everybody else. That's what it looks like. That's what it seems like. And I don't. You can't win a title like that. I don't think you're gonna be. You not first. You're not gonna be. You're not gonna be able to beat either LA team like that. Clippers or Lakers. You're not gonna be able to beat either LA team like that. But then you. You know when you keep it in the East. It's teams like Miami, where where some people would say Miami gives Milwaukee serious problems. Boston gives Miami, and I'm I'm more I'm more with Boston because I've seen more consistency with Boston, and I like Boston's roster a little bit more. But um, teams like Boston, that's why I don't you know people say hey it's a cakewalk, but. I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk for Milwaukee to get out the East. They are the favorites. Yes, they are. They, they deservingly so. They should be the favorites to come out the East. And, hey, I would probably still pick them. But teams like Miami, teams like Boston, some people even some people wouldn't even count out Philly. But it's, it's stuff like that that give you calls for pause with, with Milwaukee, and it, it questions: Are they really a championship team? Because their records say they're one of the all-time teams in this league. That's what their record says. But roster and paper-wise, are they just are they just Giannis dependent? 
Live by Giannis, die by Giannis? Is that what is that truly who the Bucks are? We have to answer. We 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 we'll see. We we're gonna get we're gonna have those answers. Another thing, Milwaukee defensively, Milwaukee defensively is one of the better teams in the in the league defensively in in, in some areas. As far as when when it's when it comes to in the paint in the mid range game, Milwaukee is one of the best defensive teams in that aspect because they have a bunch of trees that can contest a lot of shots and they play they they play down low they play very physical down low so that that so it's going to be really hard for you to get points and buckets down low with those trees that they have they have Giannis at 6'11 Robin Lopez at seven seven feet uh Brooke Lopez at seven feet they have they, they got they got they got length on the perimeter but don't you know, statistically, the Bucks are one of the worst three-point defending teams? So, that's another cause for pause. That's another cause for pause. Because teams like, once again, teams like Miami, teams like Boston, if they get hot from the perimeter, Milwaukee can't guard those guys. Milwaukee can't guard, because that's, that's, that's not playing to the strength of their defense. The strength of their defense is their interior. It's inside. It's around the mid-range game. But once you expand and extend out to the three-point range, out the three-point land, you go 20, 25 feet, they, their defense takes a downfall, and they're, in a, and they're ranked at the bottom half of the league in terms of defending the three-point shot, especially at the top of the key and on the wings. In the corner, uh, they're, they're middle of the pack. But on the wings and at the top of the key, defensively and statistically, they are one of the worst teams. They're in the bottom half of the league at defending those shots. That is also another cause for pause. That is another reason why, hey, Boston, if Boston gets hot, if Boston can shoot the leather off the ball, Milwaukee's gonna be in trouble. If teams are because Milwaukee, they're gonna they give up those shots. Go, I watch film. Go look at some film. Milwaukee gives up a lot of those three-point shots on the wing. And if they continue to do that, if that and that's a trend because that's you know, the, once again, the strength of their defense is in the inside, it's in the interior. If they continue to do such thing, that's going to be a problem. And that's, and that's the postseason. That is what the postseason is all about. Nitpicking, digging in spots and holes that you can't. Because in the regular season, you're on the road. You know, you're traveling. You're either playing every other night or some nights. You might have back-to-back nights and you come into certain towns and cities, and you know, you, you just don't you don't read the scouting report. You got early shooting round. You go, you know, your players rest up. Then they come out, they get dressed, they watch a probably an hour film, and then they blank. Like you know, so the the, the regular season is different from the postseason, where you have a day two, a day or two of rest. You know, prepare, look at film, strategize. Totally different from NBA regular season basketball. And this is why I like postseason basketball. Because teams will be able to exploit that weakness of the Bucks. 
the Bucks now. Let's let's do this. The Bucks will have to adjust, and that's the, and this is all the this is what the playoffs is all about: adjustments, nitpicking, finding the weakness of certain teams. That's what it's all about. And I want to go. I don't. I don't and I want to shift to a championship contender that's steadily rising. That's the Clippers. The Clippers have their fifth straight win. The Clippers got their fifth straight win, and they are currently 9-0 when they have everybody healthy. When they have Patrick Beverly healthy, Paul George, Kawhi, Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell, when they, when they have everybody healthy, they are currently 9-0. 9-0 when they have everybody healthy. Okay? So... I think I think it was last week. It was either last week or a week and a half ago. Where I said, "Hey, the Clippers, they got to get healthy. They they have to get healthy. If they, you know, they they have in some in, in in these last twenty games, Paul George has to get healthy. Montrezl, Patrick Beverly, they got to get healthy so they can build some type of momentum going into the playoffs and some chemistry." You know, to see what it's like to play with each other because they haven't done so all year. They only, they only have they only have played nine games together all year. Nine games all year together. They only they only, they only played nine games and they've won all nine games, but it's been nine games. We're we're we're, we're some teams are right playing. Some teams have played sixty one games already. <laughs> so nine games and they don't. They, that's how much. That's how much. That's that's how many games their team, their their players, their core players have played together, and the Clippers are, they're 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 lining up, they're lining it up, and they're they're striking at the right time. It seems like we're on a uh, we're, it seems like we're on a collision course uh, to the Western Conference Finals between the Lakers and Clippers. I think the Lakers have finished number one in the West with the number one seed in the West, but I think the Clippers will finish number two. Because they have everybody healthy, um, they're clicking. They're be- they're getting they're getting better defensively. The Lakers have been the Lakers have been on on top of you know most of you know the defensive categories for most of the year, but the Clippers are starting to climb and rise. Their defense is starting to get better, and this is what the NBA season this is what the NBA season is all about. It's it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's a it's a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Um, I think the Lakers have paced themselves. Well, as well, I think they pace themselves well, but um, the Clippers have they're, they're certainly pacing themselves. Um, they're trying to get on track, they're trying to get healthy. Um, for the postseason, it we're, we're hey, we're about a month and a half away. We have we have 15 games, we have some most teams have about 15 games in March, and then going into April, those last two weeks, those those teams, you know, two and a half weeks. You, you know, most teams have about eight or nine games in April. So we got about 24-ish games left, 22, 23, around that range. We got, a, you know, a little bit above 20 games left, and this is what matters. We've been talking about Milwaukee. We've been talking about the Lakers, the Celtics, with the Raptors all year long. We have been talking good about those teams all year long. But the Clippers are starting to get back healthy. They're starting to get back healthy. And this is what I mean. Going to the playoffs, you need to be able to get stops, and you need your guy that can that 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 can get a bucket. The Clippers have that guy. 
And and I said this, hey, Kawhi Leonard may not Kawhi. I don't think Kawhi is the best player in the league. I don't think Kawhi is the best player in the league. But when it, in terms of getting a stop and scoring a bucket, Kawhi is the best player in the league at doing that. He's the best at that. When it comes to stopping somebody and then getting the bucket, the Clippers have that guy. They have the best guy to do that. And that's what you need in the playoffs. You need you need you need you need to be able to do that. LeBron, you know, LeBron really can't, you know, LeBron, he's not what he used to be defensively. We all know that. He can still get a bucket. And and Giannis, he's not a guy that can get a bucket, you know, double teamed. He, you know, he he struggles at times doing that. So Kawhi is the absolute best player in terms of getting a stop and getting a bucket. And and and, and once again, the the, the Clippers have two of the best guys because who would you say is the second best guy at doing that? At stopping somebody and getting the bucket? That's Paul George. The Clippers have two of those guys. They have two of the top guys that do such things, which is going to be critical and important in postseason play. It's critical and important in postseason play. Also, another thing about the NBA playoffs, the refs swallow the whistle. The ref, the refs swallow the whistle. The refs, the refs are not gonna let you. They're not gonna. They, the, the refs, they try their best not to dictate the game. They try their best not to dictate the outcome of the game. So you know, guys like Harden. This, this is why. This, and this is what I got on about Harden. Guys like Harden struggle. They always struggle because he, he's used to getting to the free throw line. 12, 13, 14, 15 times a game in the regular season. But when the refs cut that in half, Harden's points per game go down. Harden has to make more field goals because he's not. Because the other night, Harden had 35 points. I think he had, Harden had about 35 points the other night against the Knicks. But he got to the free throw line 16 times. He made 16 free throws. So, Half of his points came from the free throw line. When you when the refs cut that in half and they're not giving you those calls, points per game go down, Harden's production go down, and that's usually why Harden struggles in the postseason. Where the Clippers are very physical, I would probably say the Clippers are the most physical team, especially on the perimeter. They're probably the most physical team in basketball with Patrick Beverly. Marquise Morris, Paul George, Kawhi, Montrezl Harrell, they have they have guys that can get physical with you. Uh, you know, Milwaukee, I don't I don't I don't see I don't see a lot of those guys in Milwaukee. The Lakers, I don't I don't see a lot of those guys with the Lakers. The Lakers they have some physical guys like LeBron, AD, JaVale, Dwight. But the Clippers got they're on the perimeter, they D up. And they're gonna be physical. Another thing, we're just going, we're, and this is and this is also the time we can check the boxes. The Clippers got the, the Clippers got a championship winning coach. The Clippers got a guy that can they they have two guys that can stop a play that can stop somebody and get a bucket. They have two of those guys. They got two of the best guys in the league at that does that. So they're just checking the boxes. They have bench depth check, um size. Their size is uh, um, it's shaky. Their size is shaky. But once again, like I said, they're very physical, and 
They have they have picked up their intensity on defense, especially on the perimeter. Because as far as the perimeter defense, like Milwaukee and the Lakers, probably the Lakers probably have the best interior defense. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Lakers probably have the best interior defense because they have they have trees similar to Milwaukee. Milwaukee Lakers they have trees down low, but the Clippers have the best. Perimeter defense. They have nothing but perimeter defenders. Paul George, uh, Kawhi, uh, Marquise Morris, Patrick Beverly. They have guys that you that they throw at you on the perimeter, and it's gonna be t- it's gonna be tough as hell to score. It is gonna be tough as hell to score on that perimeter defense with Paul George and Kawhi. Ooh, Patrick Beverly. That's gonna be tough. That that that's gonna be tough. But once again, the Clippers are clicking at the right time. Um, I think we're on a collision course for a LA Western Conference final, a LA battle for the Western Conference crown. Um, I, I'm, 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 I think I'm really close to saying either whoever wins the Western, whoever wins the West, I think is going to win the title. I, I think who, Clippers or Lakers, I think whoever wins the West is going to win the title. But it's getting good. Um, yeah, oh, my gosh. It is getting good, guys. It is getting good. Also, we got March Madness coming up, too. We're going to talk a little bit about it. Um, I think because so, so conference play is almost done, over with. Conference play is almost over with. So we're going to go into the conference tournament. And then we have the actual NCAA basketball tournament. Um, and we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna probably do some brackets. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely gonna do some brackets this year, of course. Um, but we're gonna break down and discuss, uh, brackets and seating and conferences and stuff like, stuff as such as we get closer, as we get closer. But, um, playoff basketball, I cannot wait for the NBA playoffs back. Playoffs, especially in the Western Conference, cannot wait. It's always a goodie to watch that. But I'll be back with you guys later. I'll be back after this second. I'm sorry.
Okay, so um, I saw this as well. This this is some news. I'm not gonna like go in a deep dive into it because it's irre- it's it to me it's it's just the Knicks. But the Knicks, Spike Lee, they had an altercation. Um, apparently, Spike Lee, the Knicks, apparently the Knicks have changed and altered their policies um, as far as like entrance. We all know uh, Spike Lee is a lifelong New York Knicks fan. Uh, he's been going to the games for 28 years now. He's been he's been paying court. He's been paying you know season tickets for 28 years now, and that that amount is about almost 10 million dollars. Um, and he's been just a lifelong Knicks fan, and it just goes to show you um, that the Knicks are just horrible. The Knicks are horrible. They're 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 not. I mean, they are they are garbage. They're hot garbage. And they're not ran well. James Dolan has done an absolutely absolute piss poor job with the Knicks. You know, I, I, I and I just don't. I I've been saying it for a few a few, a few years now. I don't understand why the fans, the Knicks fans, continue to go to the Garden. I get it. It's MSG. It's Madison Square Garden. But they put out. I mean, it's hot garbage. The garbage that they continue to put out on the floor, the production, the the, and I kind of feel bad for some of the players because I feel I feel bad for, for for the players because it's not just that the team isn't good because I've seen bad teams, but the front office is probably even worse. The front office, I would probably I would probably bet that the front office is even worse. It's so much dysfunction. It's so chaotic. It's it's a nasty situation, and I feel bad for some of those players because I for some of those players because I know some of those players want to win. They just can't do so under such um, bad circumstances. Just cannot do so. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's it's bad. It's bad, and I feel bad for those Knicks fans. Those life no those lifelong. Die hard, uh, ride or die, you know those die hard, uh, Nick fans. I, 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 I just don't. I, oh my God, those, those bad, 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 bad. Those, those, those are just, just some. These are just some troubling times for the Knicks. Troubling time for the Knicks organization. Um, a few years back, they had they had the escort. They had the escort of Nick Legend. Charles Oakley out of the garden. Now they're doing it to their probably their most passionate and notable fan. I, I just don't get it. Um, it's it's a bad and ugly and sticky situation in New York. But um, so you guys know in the previous episode, I gave you guys my top five NBA players that's twenty one or under. I gave you guys my top five. My top five was Trey Young at five. Um, John Morant at four, uh, Zion at three, and Jason Tatum at two, and then at one I had Luka Doncic. Well, two of those guys play against each other tonight. Luka plays Zion. Um, Dallas is obviously the better team. Dallas, I think they find themselves sitting at the sixth spot. They find themselves sitting at the sixth spot uh, currently. I like the Mavericks. But this is what I like about these two guys in particular, with Zion and Luca. I don't talk much about Luca because I don't talk much. I don't talk much um, about 
the, the Mavericks. I don't talk I don't talk much about the Mavericks. But with with first with Zion, I feel like the league, you know, in the league, you know, these last few years especially, we have the league has turned into Steph Curry, Trey Young, guys that can shoot threes, fast. Not too physically, not not too physically imposing. We have, you know, it's a bunch of little guys running around, hitting jump shots, hitting threes. The game is transformed, and players. I think, and this is why I think Zion's going to be so dominant because he's averaging twenty, he's averaging twenty four and fifty, and shooting on fifty five percent right now. He, you know, some people say he doesn't have skill. Well, get this, he is he's averaging twenty four right now. Imagine if he adds some skill. Imagine if he gets a little better. He's going to be averaging 20, 25, 26 points a night. But with Zion, it's the totally opposite. The whole league is doing a zig, and Zion is a drastic zag. Every, the, whole, the entire league, all the teams, all of the players, all of the scouts, all of the GMs look for certain things and certain players in particular. And it's a big zag. It's a big zig. But Zion is a drastic zag from the league. He's physical. He's hyper-athletic. He's, I mean, he's, that's God, that's God-given athleticism. I mean, you know, you just don't see many people like that. Uh, at that size, at that height, that can jump that high. Uh, yeah, you just don't, you just don't see that every day in hospitals. I'm sorry, you just don't. The, the, the good Lord just doesn't make those type of guys. So with Zion, he's uniquely talented. Uh, guys, most guys in the league can't guard him. Most teams in the league can't guard him, don't have a plan to guard him. Um, I think like the two teams that really, you know, that could, that, that does present some, you know, challenges to Zion is Milwaukee and L.A., but those teams are like throwbacks. The Lakers and they're throwback teams. They have a lot of length, a lot of size. They protect the interior. So of course. But even Zion had 35 on the Lakers the second time he played them. It had 27 on the Lakers the first time he played them. So even with the Lakers, even with the Lakers having a lot of trees and size, still didn't matter. And that's why he's uniquely talented. I think also he has a. I think I said this when I was describing my uh, top five 21 and under list. I said, there's a certain dynamic to Zion. There's a certain dynamic to Zion. Because earlier when I was watching the Pelicans this year with no Zion, they were, you know, I could, I, could, I could see that they had a lot of talent. They had a lot of young talent. But I see a different aura with the Pelicans um, when I watch them play, because I've been, I've been, I watched them. You know, they, 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 they've been on television lately because of Zion. I've watched them play all the times against the Lakers. Zion has played the last two times. I see a different aura with the Pelicans. So every time I see the Pelicans, I see a different aura with them. I see a little bit more of a, you know, some some excitement with a team that plays up tempo already. They already play a high octane pace already. With Zion's athleticism and dynamic playmaking, it's even more exciting. And it's even more quicker. And it happens even faster. So I think with Zion, I, you know, yes, 
the weight, he has a lot of girth to him. I think the weight could be a problem. If he can find a way to maintain that weight, if he can find a way to stay in basketball shape, I think Zion be I think he'll be just fine. Will he ever be an all-time great top 10 all-time player? I'm not gonna no, I don't think so. Cause you just don't see those guys every day. You don't see LeBron every day. You just don't see Jordan every day. You don't see Kobe every day. But with Zion, could he be a a multi-time all-star? Could he be a guy that could possibly win an MVP? Certainly so. Because some people, some of the media has already argued that he's a top 30 player in basketball. And it's kind of hard to disagree because it's very hard to stop him. It's very hard to stop him. You put a, if you put a guard on him, too small. If you put a forward on him, they're too slow. He goes around him. He runs by. He runs right past him. So he is a match. He's a he's like really a matchup issue. And then then let's shift let's let's shift spectrums to Luca. Luca is like I said. I, I mentioned already when I did my top five list. Luca is a guy. You can tell he's been playing basketball for a very long time. Luca played basketball overseas. He's been a, he's been a pro he's been a professional basketball player since he was sixteen. You know those European those European teams overseas are you know they first they have skills they know the game they're smart may not be the most athletic just like Luca Luca's not the most athletic but you can see you can tell when you watch him oh he knows how to play basketball he knows how to play basketball. He knows the ins and outs of the game. He knows where to get to, how to get there, and what he needs to do to get there, and and what he needs to do, what he needs to do when he gets there. He's polished, and he looks like at at twenty one. And I know when I look at his numbers, and when I look at his stats, uh, the other day I was like, after the episode, I'm like, hold up, this guy. <laughs> I mean, because I've read it out to you guys, but this guy's averaging 28.9 points. He's averaging 28, 8, and 8 as a 21-year-old. Dallas has found, Dallas found, uh, found them another Dirk where they can, they're going to be able to build around Luka Doncic for the next 12 to 13 years. And he's a six, like I said, six seven, six eight type of guy. Yes, not the most athletic, but got some girth to him. Um, has a handle. He's a and he's so confident with his moves and his shot. But that goes back to him playing basketball, basketball for a very long time. Guys like Luca, when you come when you come from overseas, those European, like I said, those European teams first are really good. They're well coached. They're skilled. They 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 know the ins and outs of the ins and outs of the game. They know the they know they they have great fundament, great. And this guy Luca may go down. He, like you can tell, he's gonna he 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 can pot like Luca's gonna be a league MVP one day. He's gonna be a league MVP one day. He's gonna have he's gonna have multiple scoring titles. He, he like I, I said let let oh, excuse me on the previous episode I said hey. He's he has a lot of character traits of LeBron with the way how he finishes, the way how he penetrates, 
um, the way how he can facilitate, the way how he uh, his step back three, very similar to LeBron, just without the athleticism. I see a lot of Harden too, in, like in, in his scoring. I see a lot of I can see like a mixture of Harden, Ginobili, LeBron. I see a lot of that in Luca. I see a lot of I see a lot of that influence in game and style in Luca. And I just it's so it's so amazing because these are tomorrow's superstars, and like Dallas literally has somebody that they can like this is a superstar at twenty one, and the fact that they can identify that that that's great, that that, that I mean that's great, and you you think about it like he's only twenty one years of age, he's only twenty one years of age. That, that that's when you think about it, that's insane because he is he is so ahead. He is so ahead of the pack. Like the Brandon, like some of those Euroleague teams will come over here and smash some of those college teams because they're they're well coached. They know how to play. Got some good, got some tough veteran guys. I look at a guy like Brandon Ingram, who yes, talented player. Uh, took him a while to find his way in the league. But when you look at a guy like Brandon Ingram, it's taken him three, four years. It's taken him three, four years to get to an all-star type of level in play. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, that's not a jab at him. That's not a jab at him. Because, you know, some some players develop it takes the development takes longer than others. And the process takes longer than others. I get it. I, I get that part. But it just goes to show you how polished, and you look at Luca, and you're like, okay, Brandon been the league for four years. Luca, this is his second year, and Luca is like legitimately like a top ten player in basketball already at the age of twenty one. So it just goes to show you. It goes to show you. Tomorrow superstars. Luca looks great. Zion looks great. I hope you guys tune into that game because that's going to be a goodie. That's going to be that's going to be a good game. Um, I I think both franchises are well off, um, especially Dallas. I feel like Dallas they can really build. And a report came out, you know, that Dallas is seriously going to you know go into the off season. They're going to look into getting a third star. They got they got Przingis under contract. Luca's there. He's Lucas 21, Brzingis is 24. So they have a young core that they can build around and they're going to they're going to look to trade and be aggressive. Trade a first round pick, their first round their 2020 first round pick uh with uh you know with some other assets to acquire a third star. You know, cuz they they realize like, hey, okay, we got two building blocks right now. We got uh we got an all-star type of big and and Brzingis and we have a a generational Superstar right here in Luka Dantich. We're, we're going to make the best of it right now. We're going to make the best of it right now. And they do realize the West is deep. The West is packed. So it's going to take it's going to take two, three All Stars and some good role players to really bang out and get out of the West. Um, and both teams have some great futures ahead of them. I like. I I really really like what I see from both guys, especially Luka. So, I'm looking at some of these, you know, we're going to shift gears. We're going to shift gears. 
I'm looking at some of these mock drafts, right? You know, Washington. We've been talking about the Redskins for the last, what, week now? We've been talking about the Redskins for the last, what, three, four episodes? You know, we've been talking about Tua. We didn't talk about Joe Burrow. How I think, uh, you know, Cincinnati may destroy Joe Burrow. You know, we I, we talked about Matthew Stafford and the Giants. You know, and, and this is the year of the quarterback. Free agency, there's some quarterbacks out on the market, or there could be some quarterbacks possibly out on the market. You know, we, we, we you know, previous podcasts, you know, throughout the later part of the season, we have gone over teams that have, that have a need at the quarterback position. So we got quarterbacks in the free agency, possibly. Then we got quarterback. We got about five, six quarterbacks in the draft. And we, like I said, there's about six to seven teams that need a quarterback. And, you know, we've been, I, we've been talking about Miami, you know, Cincinnati, the Redskins, even though they don't need a quarterback, they have, a, you know, a young quarterback. We've been talking about Detroit. We've been talking about Indianapolis. We've been talking about New England. We've been talking about a lot of these teams. We even, I think we even talked about Carolina. But we have not talked about the Chargers. And in some of these mock drafts, I've seen, the char- I've seen, you know, the pick that the Chargers would make. They're going to pick a linebacker? They're going to pick a linebacker? The Chargers are in L.A. The Chargers are going, they, they're, they're going from a newly, they're going, they're going from a soccer stadium, a soccer stadium that fit about, what, 75,000? And they're, in the last two years, their home games have been road games. There's no home field advantage for the Chargers. For these last two years, there's been no home field advantage for the Chargers. It's a road game. Their home games have been road games. They're moving to L.A. They're sharing a stadium with the Rams. I said this about, I, I talked about this with the Rams. The Rams have been aggressive. Ever since the Rams have got, uh, you know, they've moved to L.A., and they hired Todd McShay. I mean, Sean McVay. Todd McShay. <laughs> they hired Sean McVay. They have gone. They have gone star heavy. They have. They have just been loaded with stars: Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, Ndamukong Suh, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. You name it. Akeem Talib, Marcus Peters. They tried those guys. They tried them. It got them. It got them a Super Bowl appearance, you know. And I think the Rams are still going to be good this year. I think the Rams, you know, you, you don't make the playoffs every year. The Rams, they're gonna, they're, they're gonna be better. They're gonna be better. They're gonna be better. Hopefully, they were, they were still a solid nine and seven though, you know. Now I'm looking around L.A. It's a lot to do now. It's a lot to do in Los Angeles. It's a lot to do. And the Chargers need juice. The Chargers need to, they need to energize their fan base. Because mind you, the Chargers, yes, they do have a good roster. I like the Chargers roster. I like it very much. But their coach, Anthony Lynn, he's on the chopping board. 
This is this is this is the year that he has to he has to he has to have some success this year. His head is on the chopping board this year. He's in the hot seat. So he needs some juice as well. Chargers, you know, recently, a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, they parted ways with Phillip Rivers. That's no, that was their longtime quarterback. He's no longer there. Need some juice going into LA. You need some juice going into the new stadium. You know, I've also heard that the Rams, they don't particularly, they don't particularly like the fact that they have to split revenue with the Chargers because they like the Rams are like, hey, why are we splitting revenue with the Chargers? We are the we, we're, we're the team, we're the football team that had the stars. We're the football team that ha, that's, ha, that's had the recent success. We are the football team that's going to draw the biggest crowd. So why are we splitting revenue with the Chargers? So the Chargers, my point is, the Chargers need to take a quarterback. The Chargers do not need to take a linebacker. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to do a something. I'm, I'm going to do a little something for the draft. But for those people that mock drafts have the Chargers drafting a, a linebacker, what the hell are you thinking? The Chargers need a quarterback. The Chargers need a quarterback. They need a quarterback. They need you. And it's not, it's not the fact that. Hey, Tyrod Taylor isn't good enough. Tyrod Taylor, he's a solid quarterback. But you're going to, like I said, you're going into L.A. The Rams don't like the fact that they're splitting revenue already. Not the mind, not the, not the mind, not to tell you, hey, who else do you have in L.A.? Oh, you got the L.A. Galaxy. You got the L.A. Lakers. You got the L.A. Clippers. You have the L.A. Dodgers. You have the L.A. Angels. You got a lot of stars in LA. The Dodgers just acquired Mookie Betts. The Angels signed Anthony Rendon. The Angels already have Mike Trout. You know. The Dodgers already have Corey Seager, Cody Bellinger, Clayton Kershaw. They have guys. Who do the Chargers have? Oh, not to mention, the Lakers and Clippers. Hey, LeBron, AD. The Clippers have Kawhi and Paul George. Who do the, who, who, who do the Chargers have again? Chargers need to draft the quarterback. They need to draft Jordan Love. Because I would imagine, I would imagine, I would imagine that, hey, Tua Tonovaloa is probably not going to be there. Joe Burrow is probably not going to be there. And Justin Herbert, probably not going to be there. I'm hearing Jordan Love out of Utah State. I think I told you this, though. I think I told you guys. I think I've warned you guys about this Jordan Love kid. Jordan Love. Now, mind you, please, disclaimer. I'm, I'm about to say something that's going to sound weird. But listen closely and clearly. Jordan Love out of Utah State. He had a phenomenal sophomore year. Junior, junior year... Shaky. Okay, the junior was shaky. Jordan Love is drawing comparisons to Patrick Mahomes. Okay, okay, okay. I know what you guys are thinking. Let me say it again. Jordan Love is is he's 
He's drawing comparisons to Patrick Mahomes. Hold up. Don't, don't cancel me yet, y'all. Don't do not cancel me yet. Please. I don't think he's Patrick Mahomes. I don't think nobody thinks he's Patrick Mahomes. But he has similar arm talent. He has similar character traits. He has similar abilities, athletic abilities, to make plays like Patrick Mahomes. Now, he's not going to be Patrick Mahomes. I don't think he's going to win the Super Bowl in his second year starting. I, I just don't think so. <laughs> I know so. <laughs> okay? But the Chargers need to draft Jordan Love. In all seriousness, they need to draft Jordan Love. They need a quarterback. They need a quarterback. They're going to move up in the draft. This is why I like the Chargers as well. The Chargers have two great pass rushers and two great DBs. The Chargers can package a deal, trade one of those DBs, or trade one of those pass rushers, Melvin Ingram, because I don't think they would trade Joey Bosa. But uh, Yeah, Joey Bosa. But package those deals. And plus, the Chargers also have draft capital. The Chargers have draft capital and player capital. So they can move up in the draft. And they're going to need some juice because they're going into L.A. They're going into La La Town. They're going to need some juice. Like I said, they need juice because their competitors around the city have stars and they have juice. The Dodgers have juice. The Rams have juice. The Lakers have juice. The, the Angels have juice. The Clippers have juice. So the Chargers need to generate some buzz and some juice around the league. So whoever has the Chargers drafting linebacker, it's not happening. And why? Why draft the linebacker? Why? Why? But thank you guys for listening. I'm out. Thank you guys for listening. Clicking, you guys are doing a great job at clicking. I appreciate it. I appreciate it greatly. Um, your efforts, I see them. I, you know, your efforts, they're, they're, they're coming back. Your results are coming back. Thank you guys. Um, keep sticking in it with me. We're getting better and better. We're growing. We're growing rapidly and quickly. So without further ado, I'm going to leave you guys with this. I'm gone. Adios, amigos. Peace. Deuces. I'm out. See you guys again later. Peace.